0: We, uh, I would say we look at a lot more deals that we put offers in as opposed to like we were putting offers in pretty much anything uh, back in 2022. Um, but right now we're just, uh, I think we've made, I think this month we've made two offers on, on facilities and those have, of course got rejected because they're not full price. They're not, you know, maybe they even include some seller financing. We're trying to get as creative as possible.
1: This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 18 years has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated nearly 5 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self-Storage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers, and this week's guest is Mr. Travis Belcombe. Now, Travis and I have known each other for a number of years, and his path has been very similar to mine in that um, he was um, he had a, a company that was very active in single-family homes, Uh, moving into other asset classes, and uh, he too found uh, self-storage, saw the light, and recognized that uh, building a portfolio of self-storage facilities as his real estate portfolio was much better than managing the tenants and toilets and trash that he was um, currently uh, in. And so he is, uh, in in five years, he grew a fund to over uh, 400 homes, and um, then it was at, at that time, uh, that he recognized that it was a time to make a pivot and a shift into self storage, and that's uh, that's where he and I uh, met. And since then, um, he is now very active in all things self storage, both a- acquisitions as well as uh, developments. And so, uh, we spend time um, in this episode uh, talking about um, his transition into self storage, the reasons why, the reasons why it does so well during a recession. We talk a little bit about how he manages seller's expectations in a market in which uh, they still feel as if they can get the prices that they were receiving back in uh, 2021, and then uh, also how he he is approaching this uh, market going uh, forward with his uh, developments as well as uh, acquisitions and a specific strategy for attacking this market right now. So with that, please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with myself and Mr. Travis, welcome. Thanks for having me, Scott. Well, I've given everybody a little bit of background on yourself and uh, somewhat uh, as to what you've been doing in the self-storage space and the syndication space. But if you would, uh, why don't you give us a little more background, fill in the gaps and tell us what you're up to right now and how you're approaching this market that we're finding ourselves in.
0: Yeah, it's uh, carefully would be the, the quickest answer for that. But yeah, we're we're going, um, going after more of the higher cap rate stuff, stuff that we find in the rural uh, markets, tertiary markets. Uh, historically, we were residential buyers, and we made a switch about three years ago into self-storage. And uh, you know, it was a very hot time three years ago to get into self-storage. And we say that's cooling off a little bit. There's not as many offers uh, on the table for the for the facilities that we're going after. So we're adjusting and trying to make sure that when we buy, uh, we're buying you know positive cash-flowing properties on day one. Well, obviously uh, everybody's uh, looking for high yield and uh, the value
2: add up projects and things that are cash flowing out, out of the gate to uh, talk a little bit about uh, marketing and maybe some of the techniques and the strategies that you're having to use now to go the extra mile to fill the funnel. It, uh, it's not as easy as it used to be. And there certainly isn't uh, uh, the low hanging fruit out there that we've seen in
0: the years past. Yeah. Compared to a lot of, of uh, you know, companies out there, we're pretty small. We're still uh, working with brokers primarily. Uh, and, and co-calling the you know facilities that we see when we're driving to and fro, fro back and back and forth from wherever we're going um, typically we just want to we, we want to take out brokers have lunch with them tell them what we're looking for but also really become their friends not just uh, you know some other guy to send deals to but um, you know we want to be we want to be that person or that group that you know when they have a baby or something like that we're, we're sending them a gift we're sending them you know a congratulations message, something like that. And that's that's helped us get a little bit more information than I would say typical, uh, you know, self-storage buyers would get. So that's helped a little bit. I, I would say so. You know, we, well, filling your funnel with opportunities is
2: a shotgun approach. And that is uh, sending uh, mailers out and talking with and creating relationships with the owners of the facilities uh, themselves so that uh, when it is uh, time for them to sell, at least uh, we hope that they will be contacting uh, us because we've built up that relationship. But many people have neglected that building that relationship with the, with the brokers as well. We look at them more as uh, just a resource um, and, and sometimes competing against them in the marketplace. They're sending mailers out to the owners of the facilities trying to create that relationship, stating the reasons why they should list with them because they'll get in the most. And we're creating Uh, Relationships with those sellers also competing, saying, "Hey, we'll give you the more most money, and you don't have to pay those brokers' commissions." But we realize um, you should realize that uh, the brokerage community is uh, absolutely essential to your team. And if you do a deeper dive and create those relationships with them, not not everybody is going to um, sell to an individual that got a postcard or a letter or a phone call from you. They they don't have time. They will only go through brokers, and that's why they hire them is so that they don't have to vet. You know many of the looky loos of the folks that don't have the ability to transact, um, or just to make sure that um, you know they march through the process uh, correctly because they don't want to do this uh, on their on their own. But I but I think many investors have seen and they really neglect that piece and they haven't taken that deep dive um, that that you have as well. And so, you know, what what does that look like on a regular basis? um in the markets that you're operating in, Travis, how, how many brokers uh, would you say that you have a, a good relationship with that are funneling projects your way and maybe maybe giving you some of those
0: pocket listings or first crack. Sure, sure. We we primarily uh, just buy in Texas right now, and so we have uh, brokers that are my age. Uh, you know, I, I, that those are the ones that I want to create the best relationships with because I know in thirty years they're still going to be sending me deals. And so uh, we have, I would say, three or four uh, brokers that we really, uh, you know, are really close to, and then we have about a half a dozen others that that know our names. Uh, thankfully, we've done a good job at, at you know presenting my you marketing my name, marketing my company out on the internet. So I'm not, you know, when they get an email from me, they actually take it serious as opposed to just kind of like, oh, this is one of those looky-loos, as you said, or someone who's not really, you know, that serious and participating in uh, bringing an offer. So.
2: So Travis, you've um, you've moved into self-storage. Um, you've been in other asset classes. Um, are, are you still investing in other asset classes? Or are you uh, 100% focused on uh, self-storage at this time?
0: Yeah, we're not buying anything new in other asset classes. Uh, we have a few, we have a couple of funds that we're trying to wind down. Um, you know, the residential side has been really helpful. Uh, however, building materials, interest rates, it's really kind of stymied a lot of the our, our efforts. Uh, however, a lot of those will be got done in probably 12 to 18 months. And then um, at that point, we're just planning on buying storage. It's, it's done really well. We've got seven facilities right now. Um, they're substantially easier to operate than mm-hmm. trying to figure out where the plumber is and where <laughs> the framer is, <laughs> why he didn't show up and dealing with city mm-hmm. issues, that sort of thing. So we really we really enjoy the simplicity of self-storage way more uh, than dealing with the the headaches of re- residential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so Travis, we've got uh, folks here in the
2: Storage Nation that listen to this podcast that are in all different stages of their investing career in self-storage. Some are still on the outside looking in. Uh, others are growing and, and scaling. Others uh, are own a handful of facilities, uh, maybe seven like yourself, that are kind of staying put or at least maybe waiting until the dust is settling uh, with uh, interest rates and to see where the market is going and where is uh, the bottom or you know when are, are the true deals going to be coming out how are you approaching this market in terms of speed? Are you, are you gathering everything that you can right now? Are you super bullish on self-storage? Are you being cautious in what you're looking at? Or do you have some gunpowder that you're leaving behind for fourth quarter of this year or heading into the next year? You know, what, what is the speed that you're approaching this market right now?
0: Yeah, we've slowed down quite a bit. And it's primarily because our, our limited partners, their cash have kind of dried up. Uh, we, we're still looking for more limited partners, more uh, in passive investors for our deals. But the one, the kind of pool that we had from the residential space, those people have either put their money in deals that we had, or they they lost it in the market, or lost it in crypto, or lost it in another uh, deal, or maybe it's stuck in another deal because they can't get it refinanced. Uh, and so we've we've slowed down quite a bit. We uh, I, I would say we look at a lot more deals that we put offers in as opposed to like we were putting offers in pretty much anything uh, back in 2022. Um, but right now we're just uh, I think we've made. I think this month we've made two offers on on facilities and those of course get rejected because they're not full price they're not you know maybe they even include some seller financing we're trying to get as creative as possible primarily to lower the risk on our side because we don't know if i you know last three years you've been able to raise rents 20 25 percent per facility we don't know if we're going to be able to do that anymore so we're really coming into it uh you know with a with kind of a model of if it doesn't improve right now how do we make this work for us and that's uh that's allowed us to, or that's that's caused us to slow down quite a bit thankfully uh we do have gun uh do have some some powder and some dry powder to kind of stave off you know needing mm. to buy something we're not in a place where we have to actually buy something to uh, make it work so if we do use something under contract we know it's a home run
2: good good that's uh, that's always the best way to approach the market when you don't have to buy something uh, to feed uh, either some investors or uh, wall street or anybody else for that matter um so you know, you, you touched on. Um, you just kind of mentioned in passing. So we made two offers, and of course, they got rejected because they were full price offers. And so, you know, that speaks to you know the market and where we're at right now. And that is uh, educating the seller or managing the seller's expectations. And as we we talked earlier about brokers, that's you know, that is a broker's job in many cases, um, especially right now, is to manage the seller's expectations. You know, they saw what their what their buddies did, or maybe even a facility that they may have sold out of their portfolio, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago. And there were 20 different offers that it sold for, you know, seven percent above um, list. But we're we're in a different market right now. Uh, the sellers are still looking forward, and expecting that. However, you know, interest rates have now forced a slowdown, and for us to get back to underwriting makes that makes the most sense, and then educating or conveying that to, to our, our sellers uh, as well. And, and in some instances, you know, we we put our underwriting right across the desk in front of them. We take it back, of course, but let them see. Uh, and ask them the question: Hey, would you buy your facility at this price right now if uh, this is your cost of capital? And of course, we know the answer to that. But you know, those are those are kind of the uh, you know the the simple um, means by which we get sellers to you know align themselves and their expectations uh, with the market. But you know, what are, what are some of the other ways, uh, Travis, that you, you use to be able to you know work with sellers to say, listen, you know. If you want to sell right now, you're going to have to come here and it's not me, it's the bank, it's the appraiser. Uh, you know, What are some of those tactics and strategies that you're using to uh, get these uh, folks, uh, the sellers to maybe come off their number and be a little more realistic to, to transact a deal?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. I, I would say there's going to come a time where sellers realize it's not 2021 anymore. And I, I'm starting to see kind of some trickling in the market where they're like being a little bit more rational, being a little bit more realistic. Um, but we, we basically do the same thing. We, we will say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what you want. But in, for us to make money, we have to be right here. Uh, we're just not going to be right there. If, if you find someone else that wants to buy for that, that's totally fine. But this is where our offer is. And this thing is solid. We're 100% going to close on this. Unless something massively outrageous happens, we're going to close on it. And so I would, I would say that it goes back to the communication uh, standpoint of just really communicating like, this is where we're at. And this is where you want to be, but no one else has come here and, and we're here. so so you got to make a decision. do you want to keep this thing or do you want to sell it to to us? Yeah, and I think at at the end of the day that's uh that's really
2: the only options um which is um, hey, um, you, know, do you want to sell right now? And if so, this is kind of where the market is. It's not me saying this. it's um this is uh where the lender's going to end up and this is where the appraiser is going to end up and or. We take our buyer's hat off and put our consultant's hat on and say, if if you want to sell it for this price, then here's some of the things you need to do. And then maybe we'll revisit this in six months and and is it okay if I follow up with you and and work with them to get the number that they need, Um, which is more than most buyers uh, will do. And hopefully they will come back to us at uh, at that point, but um, that isn't uh, always uh, the case. So... Value add is uh, the name of the game. And that's uh, the name of the game that you're in as well. What are some of the, the, the ways that you're finding um, right now, Travis, are you having to get more creative in terms of the value add um, to get to a certain exit number? Or is it just uh, the tried, true expansion, raising rates? Um, as you mentioned, we can't raise rates like we did before. You know, what are, what are some of the ways that you're finding that um, you have to stretch a little bit to you know, increase the value of these facilities that maybe you haven't had to or, or been able to do before?
0: yeah we we found a lot of luck with or a lot of a lot of benefit in using the the modular units so the uh you know you might have like a section that you can't develop because it's too small but you can put three or four modular units and it makes sense there so you know a 10 by 20 two 10 by 10s you know you can get those shipped within about three weeks Uh, so within three weeks you can increase your revenue Uh, we just did a, a whole you know we have a facility right now you know it's Real small. It was like seven thousand square feet on two acres, and the city was kind of giving us grief about developing. You know, the extra through like a traditional process. So we just added another uh, six thousand square feet within three weeks, and those are already on our website to lease out. And that that it, it, they cost a little bit more than traditional fi- uh, traditional construction, but traditional construction will take six months, whereas I can drop these suckers. They're not considered real estate, so the city can't can't tax them. They're not considered real estate, so the city can't tell me I need to get a permit for them. And so we just drop on. We we typically do uh gravel around them, and uh, and that's been that's probably one of the most exciting things I've done <laughs> lately, in, as far as a- adding value to a facility.
2: Yeah, it really is. It's a beautiful thing uh, for for all the reasons that uh, the, you just mentioned. That they're readily available. You can drop them in. Uh, no permits. Uh, you know, personal taxes uh, versus uh, property taxes on the assessment side, and and really the only. The you know, like only downside that we've seen is, um, as you mentioned, they're a little bit more expensive. But um, every once in a while, we'll run into a lender either on the exit or a refinance in uh, which uh, the they'll state that well, we can't include all that income, or we're not going to include any of that income because it is uh, movable and, and the income stream could uh, move. Uh, that's a pretty rare case, and and a lot of the funding that we do and. Uh, many of the folks that are on this podcast are doing is uh, through the SBA, and, and they recognize this uh, all day long, but that's uh, that has really been about the only downside that we've seen, um, or perhaps maybe a buyer that may have uh, a, an issue with the fact that we've got a significant amount of those. On the flip side, we've looked at facilities that are you know built and developed uh, 100% with movable units, and we're in the process of developing one um, here in uh, Indianapolis, so it's uh, 100% movable storage units. Um, um, Somewhat by necessity, but then uh, also once we get into it, um, then really by choice, um, it's going to make a lot of sense. And so we're uh, we're getting close to uh, um, getting off the ground with that project here very soon. Uh, so operationally, Travis, you've got um, to the place where you got seven facilities. Um, they're all in Texas. Uh, are you self managing right now? Are you doing a combination of working uh, with a third party, or you know how do you how do you maximize that the NOI on your seven facilities uh, right now?
0: We we have one in a really small town in Texas. We actually have a lady that sits in the office still. Uh-huh. Outside of that, uh, we do remote management. Uh, we're really satisfied with our. We, we had to bounce around to figure out which remote manager is going to work, but we're really satisfied with the one that we have now. Uh, they they really take a good uh you know strong uh. It's almost like they're part owners. Like that—that's uh, some really good management uh-huh. there. When you when they're they're concerned about the facility more than you at times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the best things I appreciate about our remote manager, the first one they had like overseas answering you know VAs and it was it was pretty brutal. Um, some of these rural towns in Texas, you just don't those people the tenants don't want to talk to someone who sounds like they're you know Chinese or whatever for various political reasons. And uh, the, the one we're using now, we're they're actually using real good, you know, t- people or typically like single moms, older ladies uh, based in a small town of Texas. They're all, uh, you know, each one of them is a manager of each, you know, one or two facilities, a uh, remote manager of one two facilities. So every time the phone phone rings, it goes to, you know, Patty or Sandy mm-hmm. as opposed to someone, someone who speaks English as a second language. Well, we've realized that is absolutely a Game changer uh, when it comes to leasing up units. Mm-hmm. So we, we really like that. And then we have a, a fractional, um, like a fractional facilities owner that shows up once a week, uh, puts over locks, mows the yard, mm-hmm. um, takes over locks off. If there's a gate problem, they can show up and fix the gate. If there's a light problem or security camera, they can show up outside of that time. And I think that's a pretty good gig for someone who just works once a week. And I know how much we pay them. Mm-hmm. And it seems. As little as they do, they they, they make pretty good money yeah. for it.
2: Yeah, we've always found
0: <clears throat> um, there,
2: there's always at least a a person in any market that we've been able to uh, hire that uh, drives a truck and understands self storage. that can do uh, all those things that you just mentioned, and uh, has enough tools that uh, they know how to um, handle handle locks. Uh, they know how to handle the gate uh, software as well as uh, the the mechanicals, and also replacing uh, springs. And so just uh, they bop around to our facilities in as wide a range as uh, as that we can send them. And uh, we've never had a problem being able to handle that without having to take in uh, that, that person uh, in-house, uh, if you will. So let's talk a little bit about um, marketing. Uh, you know, we, we are also heading into a time right now where leasing activity does uh, sometimes uh, is reduced, where people may not be apt to just uh, throw everything into self-storage. We also see that the activity level in terms of uh, people moving. Uh, you know, house, uh, depending upon what part of uh, the country you're in, some of the house sales uh, have slowed a little bit and that is a, a big driver for self-storage. How have you had to change or what have you done to um, change your marketing strategy and perhaps even some of your uh, advertising uh, tactics?
0: Yeah, so for our, that one small facility that we have, or it's a pretty large facility we have in a small town, uh, we actually do, you know, PBC didn't work. Google, our business kind of worked a little bit, but generally, but we're in the newspaper on that that facility, uh, we're in behind we're in the outfield of the uh, the little league park on that, and so you know things that typically don't work anymore. <laughs> that's what we're using in that market because we're just we're you know we when PPC didn't work, we're like well we got to get creative on this. And then uh, on the other two facilities, the bigger ones, kind of in major markets, those are um, those we just PPCs working, Google My Business is working. We're really making sure that we get as many reviews from tenants as possible, so we'll get ten dollars off if you leave a review or sometimes we'll even make that twenty dollars cash if you if you uh, leave a review We want to be google the way google my business works is the more more positive reviews you have the higher you are going to be there so if you're competing at 16 different facilities uh, you don't want to be the bottom with a bunch of you know five crappy reviews you want to be the 48 50 you know five star sort of review person and so that's Our goal is to really optimize that. Um, But generally speaking, you know, drive-by, having a huge sign, having a bright colored sign. Um, When we buy facilities, we want to buy them on major uh, thoroughfares. So so there's a lot of drive-by traffic, high VPD per day. They did. They did. Well, at the end of the day, it, it really
2: is, uh, it's basic blocking and tackling. Um, This is a commodity, it's a needs And So when people need storage, we just need to be in front of them. We can't uh, always uh, create demand for storage. Uh, every once in a while, we'll see that the, the, the REITs, the big guys, uh, will run some ads in the spring when, when they know that people are looking to uh, either move or, or clean out. But uh, by and large, we just need to make sure that we are in, in front of them and that uh, the, the, there is that awareness. So Travis, as we... um. As we wrap up, um, once again, appreciate your time and to be able to you know speak a little more into uh, your business, a little, a little bit more about uh, what you're doing. But where where are you heading, say uh, the rest of this year, and what is the ultimate goal in uh, in self storage, and say uh, the next uh, five to seven years?
0: Yeah, we we uh, we we like I said, we shifted here pretty recently. We had a big facility we were going to develop in Austin, Texas. We ended up selling that as a uh, entitlement to another developer. Uh, to actually a pretty large brand name, and then uh, we have one in uh, South DFW in a town called Ennis that we will be building. We will be building. I'm partnering with the landowner on that, and he's providing all the capital, so I don't have to raise capital. It makes it pretty easy. Uh, still looking to buy another, you know, one or two facilities this year, if not three facilities, um, and then we're just doing a big effort on really raising awareness of what we're doing to uh, accredited investors so that they can participate. Right. In in our endeavors, sure. So it sounds like uh, more of the same. Looking
2: at the opportunities that are out there in the marketplace, um, also a development when development makes uh, sense uh, to do so, and then um, yeah, doubling down in the market that you're in sounds like a good plan. Well, um, there is um, there is no better time to be investing in self storage right now that we feel, and and I've I've been stating this for the past 18 years because this will be our third recession that we're heading into, and. Uh, regardless of what the market is doing, whether we're in a high inflationary mode, and interest rates are going up is uh, an incredible time to be buying. And uh, when we are when interest rates are low and money is uh, flowing, we're also buying as well as selling, which uh, we know the cap rates are low. And that is uh, the best time to be uh, repositioning our, our, our assets as well. And so, um, uh, gang, uh, Storage Nation out there, this has uh, been a a brief case study with uh, Travis here as to uh, how he's approaching the market, how active he is uh, right now, and what he's uh, been doing and pivoting into the marketplace as well. So, uh, Travis, if uh, people want to learn a little bit more about uh, what you're doing, maybe invest alongside of you or um, take a peek into your business, uh, one of the best ways that they can can reach out to you.
0: Yeah, the best way would be to go to investinstoragedeals.com. And you can scroll to the bottom and fill out a short form and uh, you'll be added to our list. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Travis, as we uh, wrap up here, um, uh, if you would
2: share, what is one of the best pieces of advice that anyone has ever given you? Don't quit. Period. Yeah, enough said. Uh, perseverance <laughs> is the name of the game in any small business and it certainly is in, a, in real estate. So I appreciate that. Well, Travis, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you. And uh, looking forward uh, to uh, round two. Looking forward to hearing more about um, your acquisition strategy, your developments. And um, yeah, so appreciate your time again today, Travis, and looking forward to uh, round two in the future. And uh, we'll check back in with you. So Storage Nation, you've been meeting with uh, myself and uh, Travis here. So looking forward to uh, meeting with you all again. So uh, check back in for another incredible episode of the Self Storage Investing Podcast. Take care.
1: Hey gang, wait, three things before you leave. First, don't forget to follow the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram. And don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit follow on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us.